Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days. I ask cages <laughs> that you smile and take things like. Well, listen, here's the intro for today. Andrew says I do seven-minute intros, and he loves them so much. We have a familiar face with us, guys. It is Eric Myers, formerly known as Howley Hustle. I say it right. My co-host has not gotten that right any single time he's introduced him. But I say it right. I say I say it as right as spam and white rice, my friends. So it's a lot of fun. It is uh, a pleasure to have Eric Myers, one of the people that ho- is holding PWCC down. If it wasn't for you and Jesse, I don't know what they'd be doing over there. And there's my intro. It's not seven minutes long. We are lucky to have you here for the Collector Series because even though you are a cog in our industry, you are somebody that keeps the wheels a-turning. You also are a collector at heart. And sometimes we talk to people who are just in it to flip, just in it to make the money, just you know, in it to, you know, to, to buy and sell. You actually have a pretty awesome collection. And you, know, you are a collector at heart. It puts you in a different kind of, uh, in a different kind of uh, uh, stratosphere. So we're lucky to have you on. Welcome to our 10 for 10 Collector Series. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Thank Crushed you for having me. Always a pleasure. Always One a pleasure. minute. One minute. A beautiful intro. So, so we were talking about, I mean, just, you know, kind of behind the scenes before we get an episode going. You know, we talk about talking about the World Cup coming up in the USA 2026. We we're talking about kind of what's going on in the hobby from a macro perspective. And I want to start there because we're going to get into a, a bunch of topics. What, what I like about you, Eric, is you're one of the most generous people with your information and knowledge. Right. You never, you know, sometimes people give, but you kind of feel that they want something in return. We've, we've spoken so many times and it, it, you've, you're very generous with, with helping people. And I think a lot of people have helped you as well. What are you seeing, man? Because 2021, a lot of people came into the hobby, right? A lot of newcomers. They created accounts at BWCC and only all at Starstock. They bought their cards. Some of them they sent in to get graded and they're still at PSA or BGS or SGC, wherever. But what, what's the market like? Like, Give us a little bit of a pulse on what's going on from your perspective. I feel like it's, I'm not going to, I don't want to use the word stalling, right? I, I just feel like it's it's more, it's going to look in, in retrospect and hindsight, like it's stabilizing. We look at it while we're in the forest now as it's stalling or a little bit of a pullback. But really what's happening is starting to settle down and stabilize. When we're going to look in the future and look back, that's what it's going to look like. It's a stabilization. And people, I feel, what I'm seeing and hearing in the background, because again, a lot of the people that came in the industry are new. I say new, past three years, right? So that's kind of the way I perceive it. Some of the ones that made good ROI are starting to cash out and not cash out and move on. They're cashing out, looking at their liquidity and doing one of two things, holding or starting to really refine. Because remember, if you're going to be in this long haul, it's going to have to manifest itself into a skill. So they're starting to really think on an intellectual level, where am I putting my, where's my next play? What's causing it? They're either doing that or they're starting to buy items for their PC. And I mean PC that's like three, five, 10 year put away. Like they're wanting to, so they made a hundred grand, quarter million, half million or a million dollars in profit the past, you know, one to three years. At some point they realize they can keep running this up, but they're also in this, hopefully to a certain degree as a collector. I see a lot of people buying stuff. And one of the things I'm starting to hear, and I'm very grateful that I'm hearing it, is what's a good long-term investment? So that means their heart is softening up to set on money in an asset. So people are either looking and learning or finding the crap of where they're going to start doing their entry and exits for the future, near future, like next 18 months. Or they're looking to put maybe 20 or 30% of their profits into a long-term hold. And sometimes that long-term hold doesn't have to be what the market wants. I see a lot of people buying or asking questions about things that they just want. And that's really cool because now I'm starting to learn about the collector on the phone, the collector that's on the Zoom, the collector. I now get to learn about them. What what were they interested in when they were a kid? What's their favorite sport? 
what's their favorite player? I know you might like Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, but who do you really like? And what's the card you're really after? That's where it really becomes um, stable. And I'm, I'm you know, glad I'm hearing a lot of those stable conversations. Now. I want to show you something. As you were talking about that, I pulled, pulled up a chart here. Uh, it's interesting, right? Like maybe when the market stabilizes, it's when it creates a collector, right? Because in a volatile market, I mean, my humans are all incentive-based animals or whatever. That's my opinion. And I don't want to get too deep. But when market's going up and down, your incentives are to flip, buy, buy low, sell high. But let me show you a chart. I pulled up the card ladder 50 uh, index, and I know it's, it doesn't take everything into consideration. But, but watch what happens here. And it's exactly what you just said, Eric. So two weeks, okay? Let me zoom out. One month. Three months. Six months, one year, two years, all time. But just like you said, if you look at it, these last three months, there's that stabilization, right? Where it's not too, it's not going up, it's not going down. And it might be creating, like you mentioned, this new boredom. <laughs> maybe I'm creating boredom. Maybe that's, that's me. It's my monotone voice. I'm the one that created. No, it. put it on there. That chart looks boring. I mean, like you understand what I'm saying, right? I mean, like this. I mean, when it, when it, when it, when a, when, it, when, it, when something's flatline, it's usually dead. So tell me why the hobby's not dead when you got a flatline chart like that. No. Uh, okay, I'll go first. You go second. <laughs> We've talked about this a, a few times, but. I'll, PSA shut down in March. From March to where we are, October, it's been catching up on that backlog, right? So what's been happening? It's been flooding the market with supply, right? With not a ton of new buyers coming in. So really, what we should have seen is actually a downtrend in prices. What that stabilization is showing is that there is enough money, enough buyers to either support or prop, you guys could choose the words, and at least keep it level. So if there is a new buyer, if there is a shortage of supply, you will start seeing a trend back up. That's my analysis. Okay. And you think there's a shortage of supply coming? Because what, PSA is done soon? Like the backlog will be finished soon? Because they still haven't got to the stuff that I sent in in August of last year. <laughs> Man, Cage is on fire today. <laughs> I don't necessarily think short term there's going to be a shortage of supply. But I think it's possible that there can be an influx or an increase of demand. So here's well, here's, go ahead, Eric. You are the yeah. expert. So let's yeah. hear. So here's my honest opinion. It's oh, no. going to be somewhat flat, controversial, or it's going to be somewhat boring <laughs> yeah. until there's a catalyst. Yeah. And the catalyst before that a lot of people don't talk about for whatever reason uh, was the cheap grading cost. Could this industry, and I have said it, and I'm not ever going to change my mind until something proves me wrong. This industry is built from the bottom up, period. Right. The people who are busting packs, the people who are living and dying on $20 a, a card grading, until those prices come back, this is where we are. Because most, and, and you see a lot of people come from hedge funds, the uh, outside deep pocket money come in, and they look at it, oh, we can run it like the stock market, we can run this index like that, this, this, you know, vertical like this, but they come into it like real estate, like stocks, like investing, the, the, the economic ecosystem is the exact opposite of those platforms. And I'm, I mean, and there's no way to change it. There is no way I keep hearing all these new ideas. It, there's, you can't, the round is round. Wheels are only going to roll round. Now you can make it a spear, but it's still going to be freaking round at the end of the That's day. Right. Until the people at the bottom are making higher percentage of ROI, or at least equal to, and it needs to be higher, it really needs to be higher, to those at the top, they have to be more profitable percentage per item than those at the top, period, end of story. And until that comes back, this is where we are. Because what was happening before, people were busting wax, they were buying, they were getting these cards through their, their spots that they were buying in, or they were buying Prism or Select or whatever, and they were busting them, they were looking at them, they, you know what, forget it, send them all in, I don't care. Whatever yep. the good name player is, cinema, in some grades, sevens, eights, nine, tens, whatever, they don't care because they were making so much money. They were making money hand over foot for PSA, which PSA solution was, well, let's just charge our customers more. And that always seems to be the economic model, unfortunately, for the American structure. It's just, well, there's 99, there's 100 solutions. 99 of them will probably work better, but let's just do the 100th one because, eh, why not? That's just what everybody's been doing forever.
the, the truth is there were so many other ways to fix that issue. But then the prices went through the roof. The arbitrage got cut out for the people at the bottom. And until the people at the bottom become the true focus, and I don't mean in emails, I don't mean in things that's going to happen in the future. I'm talking with actions today. Until the people at the bottom, the and there's nothing wrong with bees. There's nothing wrong with plankton. Those are the ecosystem movers for how the life works. In any Hang on. I'm getting another call, man. I mean, Is it from SpongeBob? No, it's actually it's Nat Turner from PSA. <laughs> awesome. He's, he's spitting lyrics in my ear, actually. He, said, he, having, he said, if you're having grading problems, I feel bad for you, son. <laughs> I got 99 problems at the bottom of the morning. Hit me. If you're having grading problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but the bottom ain't one. Hit me. They don't care about the bottom. They don't care. The and, bottom and, is and, not coming back. That's the problem, man. And that's it's what makes me nervous about the entire thing. It really does. It makes me nervous about it all. And and listen, obviously that's a joke. We had Nat on. He you know, he he came on our, our show a couple that? times. And he did basically said that No, that would be good though, right? And he, he said, you know, they want to get back to that value investing. I don't know what price model that'll be at, or I don't know when they're gonna come back to that, whether you know bulk will be thirty-five dollars in early twenty twenty-four. I have no idea. But you know, you're exactly right, man. And I got to tell you, you hit the nail on the head. A, a, a huge part of why I personally came back in in late 17 was because I was grading cards at $8 a card. I was grading Pokemon cards that I was opening with my son yeah. at, at $7.50 for quarterly specials. You know what I mean? Like just that, that was huge. And you were right. It was so, so it's like anything else, right? If you, if you're a gambler and you play a slot machine, you don't mind those cherries because even though they suck and you want to hit, you know, the bells, the bars, the whistles, the sevens, you want to hit the jackpots. Those cherries keep you going, right? They give you that extra spin to hope to spin for those jackpots, right? That's what PSA provided in the slot machine that we are all playing of the hobby, right? PSA provided you broke a box, you broke your wax, right? And even if you got crushed, right? You got the cherries, you got those base cards, you got the couple of colors, you got something that you could send to the PSA, not get raped on the price, get it back, and maybe you didn't make your box price back. Maybe you made some of it back, but you were able to roll that into the next one and then buy another box and then continue the whole cycle. When you take those cherries out of the equation and it's jackpot or nothing, there's going to be less people pulling the handle. That's and the problem. Yeah. I think that's and what makes our show great, just real quick is we do try to be the voice for the the little man the the cherry pickers they, they i pick my nose people like it but i mean the point is that, you know and eric is saying is right man i mean that is we don't really talk about it covid was huge the last dance was huge for jordan and for for top size pricing and for the top of the market to come in and, and really blow the roof off of, of some of the pricing on some of the cards but yeah man that grading that bottom that bottom part of what we call the pyramid here that was a huge part. It made everybody move up. It made everybody make money. So and, I'm with you. Well, so here's the thing. I didn't start off for Matt. Like who I am is not who I started. I started off there. Almost every single, even my closest friends. And now there are people that came in with deep pockets. And God bless those people, right? But 99% of the people coming in the industry aren't that. They're the people, the young kids, the 18, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds who were making 10, nine bucks an hour and like, well, I saved up 500 or a thousand bucks. They're living the American dream. They were living the entrepreneurial American dream. I mean, and the thing is, like I hear like, and as much as I love fanatics, I'm going to support fanatics wholly because, you know, I'm, I'm going to embark upon what the, the market provides for me next. Right. Uh, when I heard, uh, I forgot who it was for that, you know, for fanatics talking about the tape, about how the merger was going to happen, the transfer over the baton pass about how the system was broken and there's ways to fix it. Um, and the points that were brought up as well, basically what I heard, well, there's money going here or this money going here. This might not be peak efficient. This might, so we're going to bring it all in. We're going to take the money. And then, then that way you can have the product you want. But the problem is most of the people in our industry don't have an endless supply of money. You have to allow our ecosystem. I think here's the real thing that, that really is the truth that didn't get caught in my discussion most time. Our industry ecosystem is based on money being made back in from the bottom this isn't what happens is people come into the industry and they're like oh look at all the money coming in they think all these blue-collared workers just have an endless supply of money and all you have to do is have a better product and they'll just keep pouring their paychecks in taking money off their off the kids shoes and off food off the table 
Dude, these people have stagnant incomes. The way money was manufactured was it was manufactured from within. And unless you allow people at the bottom to be profitable, yeah, eventually it'll, the stall will digress and they'll go backwards. They have to be able to make money from within the hobby. And there's only two options. Um, you have products getting cheaper, right? Which, yeah, that doesn't happen. You have grading costs going back to where they were or relatively close to where they were. Because right now you see products going up, you see the print run going up, you see the grading costs going up. Where's the solution? And these are, look, I'm not slamming anybody for anything. Nope. But the solution it's is economics. what, right. We have to discuss it as hobby analysts or people. Why not just talk about it? Where's the solution for the people to be profitable at the bottom? That's where we all agree and look around and go, well, that's where it came from. How do we get that back? And everybody goes, well, I mean, mm -hmm. and they just keep on moving. It's so weird. So the, the stock market, right? It's at record highs, correct? S&P, Dow, all those are record highs. What was it? What, what did this? What one thing or what one thing sticks out to me that changed the stock market or helped the stock market grow? It was the creation of Robinhood and, and the addition of the retail investor, right? Like a lot of people don't realize the way you used to trade, you'd have to create like a E-Trade account or PD Ameritrade. It was very cumbersome. That sucks. It was on your computer. It was terrible. Then Robinhood came out and they created an app on your phone, right? You just download the app. Three minutes later, you have an account. Huh. What does that have to do? Oh. The retail investor, the, even the level below the retail could take $5, $7, $10, put that into Robinhood, turn 10 into 100 because they got it on the right stock, and then they reinvested that, right? So you'd have this whole influx of demand. You had this whole influx of new customers come in. Are we doing that with the hobby, Eric? And, and potentially maybe the better question is, how can we do that? That's a great question. So these are real good questions. I love these questions. What can we do to provide... Uh, an influx. Now, I do like that there's microbursts of things that are to come, right? You see, you see people like Card Ladder, like Chris, you see Slab Savers, Show My Slabs. You see a lot of these startup businesses from within. That's great. That's amazing. I love that. You see people becoming entrepreneurs on top of being entrepreneurs coming in. I do support whether it's a show for Golden or Collectibles, any place that's going to have a television show, because whether you, you like PWCC, Golden Heritage, no matter who, whether you like them or, or hate them, these entities, the more eyes that are on those entities, the better for everybody. So whether they're competitors or associates of ours, we need to support them. We need to support their success. Um, but in regards to a, a solution that that's simple, honestly, Andrew, that'd be an amazing idea, a way to have people do that. Um, things are diversifying away from eBay, right? We're off eBay. You see Slab's about to be a competitor. Um, Golden is starting its own um, marketplace. So there's going to be a multitude of different avenues of, of marketplaces. I think that's going to be difficult for the consumer initially. That being said, I think the competitive nature of what happens is before we had a monopoly and didn't really, really realize it or talk about it much. And the fees were going up 8%, 10%, 12%. If they can get to where it's a fee competitive structure and it's consumer based, like like true, you know, capitalism, right? Where we compete for the customer's dollar, you know, us marketplace compete for the customer's dollar and, it, yep. and, the, and the fee structure comes down to a stable area to where the, the marketplaces can be profitable, not ex exponentially profitable, but it allows, again, it allows more profit. So every percentage or two that comes off, and I work for a company, I work for PWCC, right? But when the money comes out of us, manufacturers, PSA, Beckett, a lot of these guys are, I don't want to say degenerates, but we're like crackheads for cardboard, bro. I mean, 95% of a lot of people's net worth is in their cardboard. It's the truth. So it's not like put money back in their pocket, they're going to go out and blow it somewhere else. They're putting us right back into the industry. So we need to collectively figure out how to do that, man. But an app like Robinhood would be awesome. So it's funny, Andrew, what you're talking about is getting the common man involved with something that's centralized, right? So everybody who at that level was able to go to Robinhood, it was one-stop shopping. And what's funny about it is, I mean, that may happen, maybe Fanatics does something like that. But I, I would like to tell you that I think that the hobby has gone away from that in the last two years, right? It used to be a, and we talk about this on, on different type of asset classes, we talk about the, the happy community where everything is going great. And we're all rah-rah, one big community. We're all together. We're all cheering each other on with record prices and record sales. And everyone's making money together. But, you know, 
Did everybody watch the first season of Survivor? I'm going to tell you how old I am here. The first season of Survivor was great. Everybody was, you know, they were doing their stuff. But then at the end, right, it got to where there were factions being formed against each other. And they were like, everybody was staking their own claim. And they were like, you know, you know, it wasn't a big kumbaya, let's survive this thing. It was a, hey, every man for himself. Everybody's got to go get their profit and squeeze the middleman out. And at first it was growing that pizza pie, and then yeah. eventually it was like hiding was like, your pizza. All right, well, this the is pizza's mine. big, but I want my slice, and I want to take a piece of your slice too on my way out. And you know that's the way. I, I mean, the pizza grew, man. We we all grew that pizza over the last couple of years, and now, you know, eBay wants their piece, and they don't want to share it with PWCC, and PWCC is going after their own piece, and Golden's going after their own piece. And there are alliances being formed, like Golden and PSA, and there are alliances out there, and maybe there's more alliances to be had. I mean, maybe there's more mergers that are going to Who the heck knows? But it's very odd because we're in this weird place where there's stagnation of pricing. There is not a lot of new blood coming in that I see because they're not the avenues to make money is not there. And the only people who are fighting over the pie as it stays the same price are the people who used to be getting along with each other and used to say, all right, you know what, let's grow this thing together. Instead, everybody's kind of marking their own turf, pissing on the lawn, saying this spot's mine. Am I wrong? The plant and the flag? Man, yeah, man. I mean, man. That's kind of what I see, right? I mean, everybody's got their own marketplace. I mean, to what end? To ultimately get bought, I mean, you know, by eBay, but to, you know, I mean, like, you know, to, 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 <laughs> to, to you know, back and back to, you know, and 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 honestly, you know, it used to be the goal was, you know, let's get the consumer involved, let's make this easy for the consumer, let's let it win, and and you know, this is almost cartel like. I don't think that PWCC and Golden or anybody else are going to be charging much less than what eBay was charging anyway, because everybody knows that that's kind of standard rates. You know, maybe instead of going from twelve percent, we're paying ten percent or eleven percent, but it's negligible to the consumer. And any saving that there's going to be from that potential competition is going to be lost to the common man anyway, because now they're going to have to try to list these things over four different platforms, and they're getting a quarter of the eyeballs, and their end price is going to be less than what it would have been anyway. So yeah, thanks for saving me that one percent in end prices, but now I'm not able to get the eyeballs centralized that I was able to get before. So who are we helping? Yeah. Not the I, not, not the guy on the bottom. I'll go a different route with that because I, I was I, I like what Alt did. And I don't want to specifically talk about Alt, but I like how if you look at their marketing team and their employees, many of them are new entrants to the hobby. Right. So we talk about kind of like customer acquisition. It, it is cool like like let's say PWCC doesn't, you know, they match the eBay 10%. I have no idea, but, but they provide, you know, a little bit of a call center customer service where they hire people in who were never a part of the hobby before and they bring people in, right? Like a big part of Facebook and it's a completely different industry altogether. The profit margin there is crazy, but Facebook made so many billionaires, right? And all those billionaires became VCs that now reinvested in other tech companies, right? So a lot of people don't know this. I, I worked for Jumio. Do you know who funded initially Jumio, it was Eduardo Sabrin, who was the guy who sued Zuckerberg. To, remember that whole social network? So these guys that make money, that eventually they start a business, whether PwC, all Golden, whatever, they, they, they make some profit and they hire more people, hopefully outside the hobby, to bring them in and say, hey, this is kind of cool. The arbitrage, though, like this case was uh, specifying, is... Even if we save the customer two or three percent, and they say you know, a couple percent over here, uh, and it's collectively a five percent, maybe even ten percent ROI margin and swing in their favor. That again, that's potentially neg negligible in regards to the maybe five percent you lose because of the fact it's non-centralized eyeballs. Very valid point. The arbitrage was being made on the cost of the wax and the cost of the grading and the ability to flip it. Yep. You could have five or ten marketplace platforms. If the arbitrage and the vertical right. is there, if the vertical is there on the price of wax, and the, and I get it, I understand. Like if, if Matt watches this, what his perspective would be? Why is it on my shoulders? Sorry, bro. It's just it is. It is what it is. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Isn't well, I mean, listen. You know, it's a perfect storm, right? Because at the same time, the people who are flipping their stuff also now, you know, the hobby didn't behave, and we were pulling guns on each other in Target. And now you can't even get the retail at Target the same way you were able to get it by bribing the store manager or anything like that. You can't, they don't even sell it anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, it was literally a perfect storm. Like, every way there was for people to have that come up, 
it's gone now. And instead, you know who we talk to who have come up? It's, it's one of the things that I, I think is mostly luck, although I guess if you grind enough, you do it. The people who seem to be doing okay on the bottom somehow are able to buy a card at a show and then sell it later that week for a little bit more money. The margins are not the same, anywhere near close to what they are for grading. Even people... more specifically, Cage, like a lot of cards, like yeah. a, like like five or six mid to high end cards, like five, like a thousand to like twenty thousand. They'll buy it at a discount for thirty k and then sell it off individually. Is that what you're, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Or you know, people who are buying you know a couple five hundred dollar cards, whatever it is, it shows, and then they're, they're scraping out you know a couple hundred bucks combined or a thousand bucks this week and then that week, and they're able to make a living on it doing that way, but. That's people who are doing this full time, basically. That's dealer wise. That's people who are. This is what they have. This is what they're doing. It's not. It used to be, you know, you could rip some stuff over the weekend, send it off to PSA that weekend, and you, you were, you know, you still had your day job. This wasn't your day job. Now, in order to get, you know, the returns, this has to be your full time gig. So, Eric, if, if you don't mind, go go. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to shift. You know, when you first came into the hobby. You had an awesome mentor, right? And and this yeah. is a collector series, so I don't think it's all gone. I, I do think that these principles are timeless. Do you remember, you know, one, two, or three kind of principles that you were taught or you learned over the years that kind of are you, you know your foundation of how you collect, how you invest, how you think about cards? Well, I, so there were things that Ryan, so Ryan Hank, I'm in Miracle on Instagram. Give him a shout out, but uh, he. There were things that he did more than he said that I caught on to. He always had alternative revenue streams. So I do see a lot of people who, who've asked me, Eric, should I quit my job and do this full time? No, you're an idiot. No, you don't do this right. Unless you've got 10 years in the industry, don't even contemplate it. Even Warren Buffett says you need to have at least three different revenue streams of income. Your money needs to make money while you're sleeping. And your money should make money on top of the other money you have. That's how that's how it works, right? And, you and do you mind do if I, I, I ask, like, do what? Right. Also, like the question should be, you mind if I do this full time? What is this? I whatever, think that- whatever your job, whatever job is, if Cage is a lawyer or whatever, you know, figure out a job. Even if you're making, even if your full time job makes you six, seven hundred bucks a week, like net. Right. It's it's learning how to grind on top of grinding. It's it's the, the iron sharpening the iron. And again, you also aren't dependent on the cards that the profitability margins tour you can live on 10 15 20 percent or just for six months or a year making 15 percent or 10 percent on a flip that's okay but you're also learning how to um work in other avenues you know just putting all your eggs in one basket and figuring out what's the most profitable basket with the least amount of work that might not work out in the best for you in the end it just that's right and it's just my opinion right up until so my, I've been in this going on 16 years. I've never done it full time. It has always all now. Now I work for PWCC, so I work for a card. I do this uh, full time, but but I just haven't told my nine to five employer that. Right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have found an opportunity to bring my passion into a workspace that allows me to do it full time. But other than that, I was a journeyman electrician or a project manager, superintendent, or I was director of operations for a weapons company. I had a and all those jobs, I was working 50, 60 hours a week. Like, I mean, I was working. A lot of them, like doing out in projects, like I was traveling different states, you know, doing large projects and stuff, multi-million dollar, 10, 20, 30 million dollar projects running those things. I mean, so it was, it, it's very, you you have to put in the time, work and effort. It's going to do that. Anything that's worth having life, you're going to have to do what other people won't do. There was a gentleman that said one time, if you want what other people don't have, you got to be willing to do what other people won't do. And that's it. Anybody is willing to get on a plane or click buttons from their phone. You want to be successful? Show me what you got. You know. But on the flip side, we still need those arbitrages there. You know, we revenue need revenue streams. Arbitrages. You have to have another revenue stream. There's nothing wrong. So if you make 80k a year on cards or 60k a year on cards, what's wrong with getting a regular job and making 40k a year? Let's bring that to 120. You do that two or three years, you're compounding. So what I always did was, and how I think I became successful. I didn't live on my card money. The Every time I cashed out and started buying stuff with my card profit money was the wrong decision. Every time. I've owned like half a dozen vipers. But I mean, I've owned some really cool stuff, you know, buy a beach house or something, whatever. But I just kept rolling it back in. And when I get in that mentality of roll it back in, live off my paycheck, live on that frugal, whatever my income is. Like now, 
I make a decent living. I do not live on $1 card money. My card money rolls back into itself and I'm going to cash out at 62. It's my next time to cash out. It's like a 401k, huh? Does it? Yeah. yeah. Blue with white racing stripes or red with black? Um, blue with white. They're on my Instagram. So I had, I had blue with white. Was This is how cheesy that is. So I've been building. I used to build race motors for years when I was younger because I'm from the South, right? It's kind of what we do. You know, I, but I can do more than turn left. I really can. <laughs> Better to straight line. I had a 450 horsepower, four, uh, 427, and then a 550 horsepower. So I had a blue with white from Monday through Friday. And then I had a silver with uh, a pewter with silver. So that was my blue with white. Look at my other one. That was Monday through Friday. That was my Monday through Friday car. So what I drove. But what is that? That's a 65 Shelby. That's bro. a 60 Shelby. Yeah, it's a Shelby. 65. Yeah. Wow, look at that. That's that, not. That a, was my. That's not a Viper. This, this, this was my no, Monday no, right. to Friday. I, yeah, that. No, I had a Viper in the garage too. <laughs> that's not a Viper. That, I was asking no, about the Viper. Blue hey, look white. at. So go to the other one. So that was my garage. I had a, a silver with white and then the blue with white. That was my yeah, garage. That's so nice. I had one for the weekend and one for the. But no, my Vipers, I had like Gen 2s, Gen 3s, Gen 4s, Gen 5s. My last one was, uh, yeah, so that was my baby. I missed that one the most. I don't know. The blue one's nice, too. Yeah, it's nice. So my last Viper did like 1,800 horsepower, 15-something with the wheels, something like that. The Viper's a cool car. That's what I always, I always like the blue ones. with the white racing stripe. The Viper. The Dodge. Oh, yeah. Production. Well, so the, the Viper came from the Daytona, which was, you know, you know, a Shelby as well. So, but yeah, I mean, but Viper is a money bit. So we're talking about $15,000 Motex, $7,000 clutch, $13,000 transmission. Yeah. That, that got shut down real quick. I mean, after doing that a couple of years, you blow through a couple hundred grand, quarter million on a car and then you sell it for one fifty. you realize, eh, go back to doing cards. You've been, you've been living in South Korea for a minute. Um, what's the collector culture? Like, you know, do people collect cards? Sort of like Squid I, Game. You know, he's in South Korea, you know, it's sort of like, you know, this, you know, there's only going to be one man standing. That's it. Just Eric. Everybody else is getting killed. They, they, they create some good content out of there. South Korea has got some K-pop is a big deal. They, they, they get culture. K-pop I'm just saying it's huge. It's K-pop huge. I'm just buzzword. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but stuff. So they do love um, it's a, they're at that that precipice, if you will. Of the old versus the new. I think in the next generation, there's going to change a lot. But they love a lot of stuff, or they love a lot of ideas of Western culture. You know, K-pop is huge. They love that. They like the individual freedom of that, that that expression can give them. They're not as wide open about it. They're not, you know, talking about banging hoes and smoking, and you know, and snorting lines of coke. They probably won't ever be, thank God, you know. Um, but they're, they're definitely embracing a little bit of freedoms and luxuries. I went to several car shops here. They really like what they really like it. They're passionate about it. They understand that the money might not always, it's not going to be highly, highly profitable for them like it is uh, in the, in the West. But I, I'm going to be honest when they have, like I met a guy's favorite player. I was on my Instagram. He was one of the assistants for the card shop that I went to. Like his favorite player was Lillard. Like they love really? their favorite players. They'll sit and talk to you about their favorite player for 20 minutes and why they love Lillard, this shot in this game. <laughs> it was cool. Like, I mean, we were talking cards, but we never really talked much about price. It was just their player, why they're into it, how long they've been into it. That's cool. And I'm going to be honest. It was pretty cool. And I'm going to go back. So they went, they got a, it's a red zone in Seoul. So I had scheduled to go back and to do a podcast with them while they did the break. But zones go red and, and green. And when they go red, I can't go in those zones because of COVID. But I think early, I think by the 1st of December, the goal is mid-November. South Korea is going to just do away with that and it's going to be a live-with-it stance. You're on your own, at your own risk. We're just, you know, COVID's here. It is what it is. So by the end of the year, that's how they're going to take it. Just like whatever. You're on your own, peeps. Which I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to embrace that. So, Eric, forget about the PWCC side. Forget about the grading side. Forget about the pyramid. 10 for 10 collector series, right? You as a collector. Right, I called it boredom. I called it a flat line. I called it all that stuff. You obviously disagree with that. Um, you know, tell me from a collector standpoint. You know, you know, I don't want to know where you're putting your money, but you're optimistic. And if you are, why? Is it because you get to talk to people in South Korea and they, they, you know, they actually care about the sport. They care about their people. Is it because you, you know, without telling us any trade secrets, you get to see behind the scenes money flow while you're at PWCC and know that. You know, while the card ladder graph might be flat, 
there's still plenty of money pouring into it. So, so talk to me about it, you know, as a collector and, 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 and I guess end with, if you can for me on this question, you know, are you still as passionate about collecting as you were, especially given the behind the curtain look that you get with the job you have? I'm always going to be passionate about it. That's, that's never going to change. When the money's gone, I didn't get in for the money. Like that's just a, um, I, that's never going to be a mindset of mine. I love it. I mean, you want to, like, people start talking about vintage baseball players. My eyes light up, man. People that died or, or quit playing decades before me, that's where my heart and soul is in this industry. Um, that being said, on that, uh, I'm hoping the money doesn't dry up. We'll, we're yet to see, because we've got a long stretch between now and Finanax takes over. You've got three-year lull. I'm passionate about people exploring new avenues, whether it be F1, soccer. We had talked about this before the show mm-hmm. started recording. Uh, I'm big on soccer, and I don't own any soccer cards. I have been chasing some behind the scenes. I'm on some really high-end ones. But you had the World Cup in 2022. It's the number one sport in all of the world. Ronaldo has more Instagram followers than anybody in the world, you have the, the World Cup coming to America. If the World Cup wasn't coming to America in 2026, I probably wouldn't be so bullish on it. But the fact that it is, and it's already set in stone, that's just going to happen. And it's over not just America. It's Mexico and Canada. It's all of North America. I think that's amazing. There's going to be a lot of people watching that. Um, a lot of hype. That'll be right after the baton passing to Fanatics, I think. So that's really cool. Other than that, I think people are, they're maturing. They're starting to learn what to buy. But you've seen some cards still, if you're, if you really are in the granular level, like the um, Durant refractor, it bottomed out at 12K. Now it's like 23, 24K. It only took like six weeks to go for that swing at 2X. There are still pivotal 2Xs there. The thing is, unless you're going to PC that card, you need to know your entry and exit strategy. I'm always big on entry and exit strategy. It needs to mean, you have to look at this as like, you have to look at it as a real way to, you don't just kind of pick up wire and just not give me some circuit breakers and I'm going to be an electrician. You actually have to hone your craft. And this is the same freaking thing. Same thing with plumbing, same thing with carpentry. You know, I mean, you've got to hone that. Don't just sit on it forever, hoping it's going to exponentially go up, find your entry and exit strategy. There's still money in arbitrage to be made. The ROI isn't going to be there um, like it was before until the grading fees come down and the prices come down. But the money is still there, you know. We talked about this. Could we? Um, so you with with the Jordan PSA ten versus the Jordan nine five. You you said Andrew. You know everyone times their entry. You know they know what price they want to get it for, but they never think about their exit. How do you explain that or teach that to a beginner? It's hard. You know the easiest way to talk about like just in a one minute conversation. You ask them about a basketball player. If all they point out is the players' offensive ability, you know they never worry about their exit strategy. They're singularly focused. They only operate on one side of the brain in that aspect. Like people talk about, you know, Magic Johnson, who's great. You know, his defense sucked. His win share ratio over Stockton was, you know, I think, 24th compared to six overall. No comparison on win share. But anyway, but how you get them to talk about it, man, you just get them to be able to understand, is this going to be a PC card or not? You know, you really have to be able to break down the thought process. What are they going to sell it for? If people are buying it, they go, well, I think it's going to go up. Uh, what's your cutoff point? You know, I'm always talking to my customers about that. What's your exit strategy? If you don't have one, when it comes to it, remember, you didn't have one. So if I give you advice, you didn't have a better advice, you might want to listen to me. You know, I mean, just kind of think about those kinds of things, you know. And I'm always pushing people to start thinking about what's your exit strategy. Find a margin. I think here's what's happened. And not to get too psychological. In school, we're taught how to be employees. Nobody's taught how to be an employer. Nobody's taught how to be the entrepreneur. Nobody's taught how to do taxes. Why? Because they don't want you to question those dumb tax laws. So they don't want you to know anything about it by the time you graduate. Nobody at the age of 18 knows how to file one simple W-2. They just don't. So the thing is, they've been conditioned their whole life just to kind of do what they're told, to be an employee. But in this industry, you've got to be an entrepreneur. So you've got to have forward thought process and forward thinking models in order to follow. And it's okay to make 10% and move on. Because when you wake up tomorrow, you're not going to be a moron. You weren't a moron when you woke up today. You're going to be smarter tomorrow. People don't have a lot of faith in themselves. And this industry reflects that. If you're holding on to something because it could go up, because it could go up, because it could go up, it, only have that thought if you're a PC. If it's something you're going to sell and the, margin's, and the margin's fair, move it. 
learn how learn how to learn because it's not about all the money in the world is going to make you add one day to your life it's not going to matter enjoy the life enjoy the journey enjoy the road and let become something five years from now when you look back you're like man i have grown as an individual i have learned to believe in myself i've learned to pivot from one career to the next to the next because it's not about my certifications it's about my ability to apply those certifications it's about me you know a lot of these successful people in this industry they need to learn to believe in themselves and what got them here and if you can do that you can operate on 10 percent margins pwcc operates on a 10 percent margin golden all these they're they're worth half billion quarter billion these entities have figured out a way to do it a lot of these individuals can figure out a way to do it it's not that difficult but it takes refinement and it takes growth and dedication it's only one person I know who believes in herself. It's Andrew. This dude believes in himself more than anybody I know. And the funny part is, he tries to get me to believe in myself every now and again, too. And I got to do a better job of it. Eric, we are not ending here, but I do want to pause. Guys, we, we, we talk about value in the show all the time, right? We talk about you know value to our audience, value coming from picks and plays. And hey, you know if you happen to tune into whatnot, I'm 9-2 and two against the spread yesterday. There's some value in that. There's value all over the place, value abound. But I'm going to tell you something. I've been bearish in this episode and maybe in our last couple, right? I've been where there's boredom, there's stagnation in the hobby, there's all kinds of stuff. And I'm always looking for something to kind of like, you know, What's good about the hobby? What's what's the positive out there? What? Do me a favor. Hit the back button and go back three minutes and just listen to what Eric just said. If it doesn't motivate you like a Newt Rockney halftime speech, if it doesn't get you going, if it doesn't get you thinking about your own PC, if it doesn't get you thinking about your hobby journey and where you've been the last six or 12 months and, more importantly, where you want to go the next six or 12, you're doing something wrong. Because that's what I'm thinking as he's talking. That's what I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about, hey, if I believe in myself, maybe I'd do this. And, and maybe I should have sold this card when Eric approached me and told me how much money he had an offer. <laughs> I'm talking to you. Do you, think, do you think it's what happens is when you start realizing it's not about that singular trade or that singular moment, and when you realize it's about your life and how this is just one piece, and you're, oh, okay, I, I didn't do it right then, but here's what I've learned, and I'm constantly improving. Uh, because as an entrepreneur... It's funny, like we we see and have this vision of what an entrepreneur is, but a self an entrepreneur is really like a crash course in self awareness. Every single day, and doesn't matter what you did yesterday, you have to step out there and you have to face yourself. Right? You have to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I don't really fucking want to do anything, but I have to learn the disciplines to do it. Or and yesterday I, I put I gambled instead of buying a Kawhi Leonard PSA ten card. Okay, now I got to get better. There, there's nobody there to catch you. There's nobody. And I think what's cool about the hobby is I actually think it's like a entrepreneurship with a parachute, right? At the end of the day, more than likely, you're not going to go bust, right? More than likely, you're going to be okay. But the lessons that you learn, who knows if you're going to start a business in 10, 15, three years that becomes your million or $10 million business. And the skills you learned came from baseball cards. And that's not my words. That's Ed Milet, Andy Frisella, Gary V, all down the road. You hear about all of these guys who wrote books and have successful businesses, and their careers started with buying and selling baseball cards on their block. You know, so I, I wholeheartedly believe like money is a derivative of personal growth. That's that's basically yeah what I was saying. And what you talk to Gary, you li- if you listen, and sometimes people hear what the words they say. But you've got to learn to listen to what they're saying. It's like a relationship, right? It's kind of like a marriage. You've got to listen to what people are saying. That's all Gary Vee talks about. Is wake the F up. It's within you. You have to find what turns your switch on and gets you to believe in outside of the system that you've grown up in. That America was built on chasing dreams. And it was built on just scraping by on 5 10%. Sometimes you lose. You know, you try to Most people in this industry are probably making money 85 to 90% of the time. And they're always afraid of that 10% they're gonna lose. Why? You've been you've come up like three, four, five, ten X. Sometimes you take a little bit steps back. Who cares? What do you think about you? I mean, are you gonna let that gonna affect you? You're out of your freaking mind, you know? And that's the that's the truth, man. It's on card industry or anything. If you can have the opportunity in life to stumble into something that teaches you to turn your life switch on and be an entrepreneur, 
you're ahead of 99% of the people that have ever walked this earth. That's it. Most people live and die as an employee. They just live and die that way. And they're okay with it. They actually believe it's okay to go into debt. Well, you got it. Debt's a good thing. You're a freaking moron if you think <laughs> going into debt and large sums of money is a good thing. Like, I mean, just so you can pay interest, get the hell out of here, man. You have the ability to be successful. And a lot of the people we talk to, you know, that I talk to, they've turned 10, 15, 20, 30, 40,000 into a quarter million, 300 grand. And they're wondering where you're going to go next. At this moment in your life, you're sitting on a quarter million dollars in assets. You can liquidate it all right now. And if you can't make a quarter million dollars work for you, two million dollars wasn't going to work for you either. And you need to learn I'm, that. I'm really glad you said that because while you're talking, what I was thinking about is let's use that example, right? So somebody made a quarter million in profit, right? And they're thinking, what's the next move? What's the next investment is probably what they're thinking, right? It's interesting to me that they never think, maybe I'm my next investment. Okay, the market's flat. What if I go to a seminar? What if I do like that weekend retreat? Right? Yes. I made 250K. Why don't I take 10 and go, you know, to a business person I respect, buy into their retreat? Or there's this course called like the landmark course. I haven't done it, but a lot of people talk about it really highly. It's like 800 bucks. Another thing is masterclass. Masterclass is like an online YouTube thing for $295. Everybody you could ever imagine who's been successful. It's funny how we think of like, oh, I could invest in cards, but why don't I invest in myself? And when the market is better, I'm, I return back to that market as a yeah. more well-rounded person. Yeah. I mean, what if what if you just take some time off and if you want to learn how to sing, go to singing classes, spend some time doing some other, take that money you've made, you know, and do something you freaking love. You were handed a gift. I and mean, again, I don't want to get too spiritual. You're handed a gift by the creator. And now you have a gift that most people will never ever had the chance dude. do something. I was living on, on the beach in Hawaii for four and a half years. I'm in South Korea. Now you get one shot at this. There are no mulligans. Your second life begins. The moment you realize you only have one life that the moment you realize you only have one life. That's when you start living your life. Most people die at 25. But they're not buried to the 75. They just gave up. They just gave up. Like what, why would you do that? Don't ever give up on yourself. As long as you're breathing, you have a chance to enjoy life. The word life is so beautiful. It's so beautiful, man. And if you've made hundreds of thousands of dollars and we're waiting for the market to come back, get the hell out of here, man. You can, like you said, Andrew, invest in yourself. Go chase the passion. If you lose it all, dude, you lost it all chasing yourself. That's I worked on making myself more well-rounded all year this year with Chick-fil-A's <laughs> help. Cage, <laughs> you've lost. You, you, you created the Fit Fam. You've inspired yep. people to lose. I got to get back to the Fit Fam. I have, I have abandoned it for happens. about a month. I went on vacation. That was my goal, and then I I just did never got back on it. But I'm back on it now. I started eating some salads. It's a good time. Salads. I'm curious if you group salads are not a good time. No, I, I, he called me the other day. He's like salads is all he said. Salads. And I'm like, <laughs> that, that, but Eric, I'm curious if you agree with this. So to create urgency, right? Because sometimes it's hard. I believe the gift not used becomes a curse, and I'm curious if you if you believe that that too. Like if, yeah. if you don't use this gift that, that the creator, whoever you believe in, God, universe, whatever, gave you, because it, it really has been a gift for a lot of people in the last 18 months. That's big money. Like that's money more it than is. my family's made my whole life. Yeah. Do you believe that? If it's not used, it will be taken away because you. It, either way, it's it, either way. It's a problem. What it's taken. The worst thing is you're giving your gift until your last. Celeste Brown talks about imagine, if you will, you're on your deathbed. And all the blessings that were given to you that you didn't use are standing around you. And they came to you. They didn't come to somebody else. They're all looking at you. That, I mean, and, and you didn't learn how to sing. You didn't write that book. You didn't write that song. You didn't chase that dream. And you knew the whole time that gift was inside you and you didn't take it. And on their deathbed, they're going to die with you. And that's the truth. And the sooner people realize that, dude, the sooner you wake up and chase those. People are like, why do you move here? Why are you going there? Why not? Like, why not? I mean, everything lives and dies with you and everybody knows their gifts. And if you don't take that, the worst thing that would happen, not that it's removed from you, but that you keep it until your last breath and you knew it. You know, Albert Einstein once said, oh, what was it uh, about? Um, about uh, e equals MC squared. E equals MC squared. Yeah. No. Uh, oh, man. It's, Cage, you're it's no one living this right now, right? 
Oh, of course. I, listen, I am too, but it's not, it doesn't have to be 25. You don't have to die at 25. It took me to 44. 43, I guess I was at the time. It just turned 45. I guess I was 43. Um, when I when I decided, I knew what my gift was. My gift was to give the gift of me to everybody within an earshot of this right now. You're all very welcome. You're He's half welcome. joking, but, but but it's true. Like you do have an incredible personality. Like uh, we've We're been to quite a few shows, and, and it, it is true. Like people do gravitate toward you because you are so kind. You have a big heart. You are giving. So it's that was like one of those half jokes. Uh, but you, I, I believe it very humbly uh, when it comes to you, Paige. Appreciate that, man, and thank you, because this is the fun part. This podcast that you started. This is this is me having fun. We started it's it. Me living. That's we, all you. We, we. It's all you. Take a bow. Take we. a bow. Take a bow. Take a bow. Eric, it's been a lot of fun, man. You're a very yeah. positive individual. You know, You're a very positive, positive collector, positive guy, and that's good because. You know, you need people like you in the hobby. Uh, you need people like you, you know, carrying the torch for, for you know, the hobby as a whole when things are not, you know, inflated, <laughs> when everything's not going great, right? When it is a flat line, when there is a little boredom. And it's, and you, you do it in, a, in an honest and fair way. You're not saying, hey, don't worry about it. You know, it's going to 10x in the next month. Don't worry, Christmas time. Sales are coming. Everybody's going to be, you know, just, 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 just hanging in there. No, you say, you know what, there's a million ways to do this, you know, let's be honest and work on yourself, you know, and, 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 you know, be thankful for the gifts that you've gotten during the, uh, during the last 18 months. And you know, there's a lot of things to be happy about. So I love that, man. I, I really do. And I think part of it is being in it, right? Don't leave the game. You know what I mean? Part of, part of it is just being involved in it, you know, uh, consuming the content, being involved with the communities on whether it's Discord or Instagram, wherever it is, you'll find your next opportunity, right? And I really, so I'm not getting spiritual like you guys are, but I really do believe that, you know, a lot of this is luck. A lot of this is opportunity. And a lot of it is, you know, you have to put yourself in the place to find that opportunity. And while I did well with cards coming to this year, I thought to myself, all right, cards are going to, are going to die down a little bit. You know, what am I going to do? I can't grade anymore. I can't do all these things. And then, you know, top shot kind of just magically, if it wasn't something I, I even knew existed coming into I was going to ask. And then that did okay. And then, you know, you do right from there and I'm like, all right, well, what's going to be the next come up? And then NFTs and, you know, like all these things are just like, you know, they kind of, the reason why they're there is, believe it or not, because of going out there and taking a chance on something like this podcast, on staying involved in the community and not saying, all right, you know what, cards are not doing as well. I can't 10X, I can't send the PSA, and just leaving, right? Being there, you know, being a part of that community, making yourself available for the opportunities when they come up is a huge thing. It really is. I know so. this is going to sound stupid, but like, I'm just going to ask you, do you think that you found the opportunity or do you think that the new version, the improved version of Cage, that opportunity found him? I'd say a little bit of both. I'd say a little bit of both because I've always been somebody who, you know, researches the hell out of stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 don't, I don't like knowing, you know, I don't like not knowing something. That's that's before cards. That's before, you know, podcasts. It's just, you know, I, I, I like to be well-versed in a lot of stuff and I don't like being asked a question that I don't, I can't at least bullshit about. So I definitely, you know, part of that is the research. But yeah, man, I mean, it's, you know, I think, you know, I would be naive to say that it's not the, you know, the, what do you call it? There's no new and improved version, but it's definitely a different version. You know, this podcast you don't think stuff. You're, you don't think you're improved? No, I'm just older and fatter. <laughs> if you consider that being improved, then sure. I mean, but He's most ladies out back. there don't. <laughs> older and fatter is not an improvement to this. Cage, have you, have you heard about uh, game theory? Or, or, or Eric? No. Now I have to go research that. It's really Eric, simple. Go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, before uh, I lose my train of thought, I remember that, that quote. It's, it's attributed to Einstein. It's, uh, imagination is everything. It's a preview of life's coming attractions. And that's the important part of your imagination because only you can see it. Right? That's kind of the higher power of the universe giving you the ability to see a preview of life's coming attractions. That, that are, but unless it's acted upon, it's just, just an imagination. Imagination was one of the hardest things for me to learn, believe it or not. Like, uh, not learn, let me rephrase that. It was one of the hardest things for me to practice because initially when you go into imagination, 
you rationalize. It's like, well, how am I going to get there? Right. As, try this. I guarantee this. You're going to sit at home. You're going to try to visualize like the future that you've always wanted. And in your mind, these thoughts are going to come in. How am I going to do that? I can't make that happen. You're, my, what about my kids? What about my wife? You block it. And, and the whole thing about imagination, if done properly, if practiced properly, it's no different than lifting weights. It's to try to quiet that rational how mind and to just live in the future for that exercise. But that doesn't mean brain. you need to stay there. Imagination. You have amazing, the loudest cage amazing, has the loudest monkey brain out of anyone I've ever seen. Amazing three-part South Park series. If you have not watched <laughs> the imagination episodes of South Park, run to YouTube or wherever it is you can find your South Park episodes. Amazing. They get every every character Steal in the world into Steal underpants, make a million dollars. That's the underwear gnomes. That's a different episode. Also very funny. <laughs> phase one, steal underpants. Phase three, steal profit. Underpants. There's no phase phase two. No one knows what it is. That's by the way, that That's is bad, cards. People just buy cards with the intent. That's phase one. With the intent of phase three, make profit. But phase two, they'll just figure that out as they go along. So, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in the hobby too. But, game theory is yeah, actually man. quite simple. There's there's finite and infinite games. It's really basic, but it's kind of at the core of everything we do uh, as people. It's, a, it's fascinating to me. Most of us, I would say 96%, play finite games, which is we believe that there's a start and end date. We believe there's a certain set of rules, right? Sports are a great example. Start and stop. 90-minute soccer games, we know it's 11 players on each field. Here are the rules all agreed upon. But the issue with investing and with life is it's an infinite game. There's no start or stop. There is unlimited entrance because people come in and out of the hobby or in and out of investing. There's no set of rules. You're playing by one set of rules. I'm playing by another. And the goal of infinite game theory is actually just stay in the game. Right? Like sometimes like sometimes in investing, you just got to tread water. Sometimes you're going to swim a million miles an hour. But if you I realize that... There is no finish. The finish is the kaputs. I shall finish the game. <laughs> I shall finish. We've done 469 episodes. The this is the, the this is a different vibe, but I like it. That's it, man. No, listen, I love this episode. This is this is one of my favorites. We always have fun with Eric. Eric's Eric's the man. He comes in, he brings a lot of positivity, a lot of life experience, a lot of good stuff on the hobby. And I always leave an episode with Eric. Um with a more favorable and optimistic outlook on the hobby as a whole than when we started. And there's no better way to end that. Right. I mean, so thanks, Eric. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you spending some, some time with us because, you know, I leave these episodes now thinking, all right, you know, I'm a, I'm a little more bullish and I want to go out and buy a card for myself now. <laughs> so, hey, I love it. What's a day in the life look like now that you're in an inquiry? Like what's, what's a day in the life? Noodles. Lots of noodles. No, I eat a lot of fish. I'm trying to go convert over to fish, not stay away from red meat as much. Uh, man, I honestly, because working at PWCC, it takes a lot of my time just responding to emails, reaching out to customers, formulating relationships. It's, it's different because I'm usually a, a phone person, an interaction, personal interaction thing. So I'm having to learn a different environment. Usually, as I had before, I had my core network of individuals. Now I'm having to expand upon new people who don't know me. It is, it's different. It's been... Uh, not to say difficult at times, but it's, it's learning, having to learn new strategies. I like it. But once outside of PWCC, outside of work, once I log off, man, I just like to just walk around, you know, go hiking. We go to a lot of Buddhist temples. I mean, even though we're not Buddhist, nothing against Buddhism, but it's different. It's new, right? It's something totally different, something I'm not used to. Look at the architecture, go hiking, zip lining, just do a lot of cool stuff locally. And we go to, I go to a lot of food markets. They have a 3 8 market. Every day that ends in a 3 and an 8, like the 3rd, 8th, 13th, 18th, 23rd, 28th. A lot of people, off when they get off work, they might even just like have a small patch of land. I'm talking like an, an eighth of an acre or something. They're always growing peppers, potatoes, apples, something. And they bring the produce in. So I hit the markets up and go through all that. It's It's honestly been... It's been refreshing to see a different way of life. It's been refreshing. Not a lot of people cool. fighting over CNN and Fox. Not a lot of that. For sure. <laughs> people are actually nice to each other, right? Once you turn that, the news off. Like, I was going to ask you, like, people kind to you, accepted, or are they like, oh, that's the American out there? No, they, especially in Pyongyang Tech, Seoul is like New York City. They're just moving, 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 going, going, going. 
They don't care what race what ethnicity. They're just doing. They got stuff to do, place to go. And Payong Tech, it's it's a decent sized city, but it's about an hour away. Outside of Seoul, which is 11, 10.8, 11 million people, something like that. And I think wow. there's fifty two or fifty three million people in the country of uh, South Korea. That's a big uh, but, city. Uh, yeah, it's massive. It's a, I mean, it's moving. Seoul is. Like New York is eleven million, fourteen million, depending. Yeah, it's it's New York City. I mean, I posted some videos on Instagram of just I went to the tall tower. It's like 126 stories. I forgot what it's called. And I took pictures of a lot of the, uh, the condos and stuff. And it's just seas. Like I'm talking, like a sea of condos. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen anything like that. But a lot of the people outside, they, I, I it, it hit me like a ton of bricks the day after we pulled out of Afghanistan, because the next day I'm driving on a military base, Camp Humphreys. And I'm pulling up, I see all these flags and thinking there's protests or something. Maybe it has something to do with Afghanistan. As I get closer, I realize they're all pro-American flags. So people were just there, hundreds and hundreds of people. I thought it was going to be a nightmare driving through. No, they were just there to reiterate a lot of their positive outlook on having America at Camp Humphreys because they've learned to integrate the presence of 100,000 plus soldiers to help benefit their economic ecosystem. You know, a lot of the people's, you know, their income comes from the footprint of uh, the American uh, system here. And it's it's really cool, you know, to see whole cities pop up that people who probably wouldn't have had that opportunity. And 85 percent of the population here has bachelor's degree or higher. So they take that money. Yeah. I mean, oh, they're high. I mean, most of them are bilingual or incessantly pursuing a second or third language. They're always learning and growing a new certification, something. You can't get anything with a bachelor's degree here. You know, almost nine out of 10 people have one. You need to have two or a master's or more, speak at least two languages. I mean, it's it's embarrassing for me that I'm at my level of into like being around so many people that are pursuing it at a higher level. It's been a breath of fresh air, man. It really has, because they actually are trying to make the most of every small opportunity they have, whether it's growing potatoes, whether it's anything, you know, what, no matter what it is, they're, 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 I can see the fruits and spirits of the American dream in the people in South Korea at times more than I can in, in America. Well, we, it, it's, it's, I have a few more if we could stay up there. Could we stay on this? Like, I'm curious, like, what the border with North Korea is like. Man, the only people that worry about that are outside of Korea. They don't care. Here, they don't care about that, dude. That's all of that's. I'm not saying all. It's predominantly just a, a ruse fabricated by the news just to give somebody people to argue and fight over. Like, they don't care. Dude. They know. He's they don't care. They don't talk about North Korea. It's not ever, 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 wow. like, ever. It literally in half a year being here has never come up in one. Discussion. They don't they don't really care. Kim Jong what would you see if you drove up there to the border? Nothing. It's not like it's like, what do you see when you drive up to the Canadian border? Nothing. There's going to be a fence and a DMZ, like a gap of unoccupied There's space. It's not like the Texas-Mexico border. It's not like hmm. Arizona border. It's not like that. It's There's nobody in South Korea rushing to get to North Korea. That's not happening. Right, right, right. 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 And then and Kim Jong-un doesn't want to integrate into anywhere else. He has control. He's not looking to grow his footprint. He's just looking for the status quo. The only time he ever does something crazy is just to get more money or more free stuff from other countries. It's just a game that I, I thought that was like, oh, how, how tense is it? How's this? How's that? No, they don't want they don't want to change and they don't want to get bigger. They don't want to get smaller. They don't want anything to change. Nobody here worries about it. Like it's literally has zero effect on worry. South what Korea about- is doing its own thing. What about like, like, do you hear stories, you know, of somebody who escaped North Korea and there's like a famine going on? Is is that prevalent? Because why well, ask, hey, KJ, I know this is collector series. I'm going on and talking about uh, national. I can't America. stop you. I've been trying, but I can't <laughs> stop de- you. How have you been trying with your with your eyes? Yeah, man. With, well, you know, without seriously saying, what the hell are you doing? Stop the recording. <laughs> ask him questions about Korea <laughs> off the recording. Later. This way people who are tuning in to listen about cards don't have to hear yeah. this. But that's cool. You, I mean, go for it. It's your show. So let me ask you. You think people that listen that are interested in cards are solely interested in cards? No. But I think you probably lost a lot of them about four <laughs> minutes ago. This is epic. Eric, what's the uh, political features in South Korea and China? <laughs> No, I care about this stuff because I don't. I'm, I'm inherently I don't trust media. So like when somebody, turn with someone I know, off. yeah, don't don't even care about it. You're so life is so short. You got so much else. Just turn it off. I don't curiosity. 
I man, I have people reach out to me on Facebook. What do you think about this? I don't even know that happened. What are you talking about? Like literally when stuff happens in America, I'm like, I don't know. How's it working out for y'all? Well, this is what this person thinks. I'm going to go freaking ask them. I don't know. <laughs> Unless you're talking about moves in life or what's making you happy. I don't know. You know, like I have no clue what's going on in America. And it's cool. I'm going to be honest, Andrew. It's so refreshing. You don't even live in America. You should just turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> what does he care? What does he care about America? America? You need to learn to live in Mexico. Bro, you live in Mexico. Who cares, bro? I mean, learn the, to enjoy the blessing of not being caught in that freaking that uh, media rat race, man. That's all. You know, so I heard. So I ended at this. I ended at this. I saw this amazing meme. There was this king and his jester were in the courthouse. I mean, up on top of the, and their castle. And they look down and they see all these people with pitchforks and torches, right? And the king looks at Jesse and goes, they're about to kick in the door and kill us. And Jesse looks at him and goes, no, we just got to get the people with pitchforks, pitchforks to fight with people with torches and we'll be fine. They're just trying to keep the people with the torches fighting with the people with the, with the pitchforks. That's all it is, man. Just turn it off. Go enjoy your day. You'll be fine. Is that the pro PWCC people fighting with the pro eBay people? No, hobby. no, I'm talking about I'm talking about the media. That was pretty good, Cage. That was pretty good. I kind of like I mean, it. So I kind of like, like, like it. Back. I kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like it. I kind of do. This Burn it all you, down. When you have a, a, a true friend on the show, I mean, Eric and I have talked about a million things. I've learned a lot from you, man. You're, I, I mean, what I said, like you're very generous uh, with your time, with your information. This is a blast. Cage, any final words you want to take us across the finish line? No, man. I thought I did that like eight minutes ago, but we're all good. <laughs> Eric, are, I mean, listen, I'm afraid to keep talking because if I bring something up, Andrew's going to talk about like, <laughs> you know, what's going on in Saigon or something. I don't know what the hell's going on here. But, uh, you know, we're all American good. Gangster was so good, man. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> it was. It was a good movie. Eric, you're the best. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. This episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.